Welcome to Sin City with Nick Menezes and Dane McLean. Live chat about everything cinema, from new releases, iconic films, and plenty more for you movie lovers. Live for CMRU.ca. And now, to the men behind the mic. everybody you're listening to sin city i am one of your hosts nick hello everybody how's it going hello going good. going good john meet emmanuel john emmanuel emmanuel john nice to meet you, john. Nice to meet you. all right you've made it just in time as well for today's special episode an episode we've always dreamed of doing you know his name he is vengeance he is the knight he is the batman there have been so many amazing movies all about the bat from 66 and now another one on its way on 2022 so let's dive right in to the very very beginning with Tim Burton's Batman. I rewatched this movie recently, and I gotta say, it was much better than I remembered it. What are your thoughts on Batman '89? On, on the original Batman, oh, I, I loved it. I felt it was, it was a great. Uh, I love how Tim Burton used his own, you know, dark aesthetic to bring the Batman comics to life, and it it was a complete opposite of what the, the 60s TV show was, you know, mm-hmm. with Adam West and all the campiness. Oh, yes. That's Batman in 1989 was not that. It was a serious, dark um, interpretation of the character, which is true to the comics, true to the source material. And it had a great story. I mean, it had great writing, great acting, great direction. Um, yeah, it was, it was really good was yes and let's talk about a bit more about the main man michael keaton's batman like keaton he really stole the show with every scene he was in and it's even baffling that at the time there was a controversy when keaton was cast as batman for you know being of average build and very short compared to the his comic book counterpart but he really proved them wrong and even back then so many a-list actors from pierce brosnan to kevin costner were considered for the role but keaton i felt he was a good choice for this film and its sequel as well yeah he 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 didn't want to a lot of people were typecasting him as like because he was in a lot of comedic roles but with this character with this role he he wanted i guess he wanted to prove them wrong and he took inspiration from the dark knight returns wow. in terms of really getting into like what makes batman tick you know like this vengeful he really tapped in like the vengeful aspect of the character because his portrayal shows a man that's still scarred by the death of his parents. And he, he puts this facade of being this rich billionaire who doesn't really care, have a care in the world. But underneath all that is a man that's dedicated, as a man that's, that's very skilled in what he does. Oh. And you can see some of the detective aspects of the character with his portrayal and as Batman. And, um, yeah, he was able to, it was it was about duality, and he was able to play that duality really well. That's right, yeah, you're right. And he's so goodly cast, his eyebrows are even shaped like the Batman logo, if you look closely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And 
I, and also props to the suit as well. Bob Ringwood, who created the bat suit for Keaton, really deserves high praise for creating a Batman suit that is unique while also staying true to the dark, gritty tone of the Batman comics during the 80s as well. Like the, you know, with the whole, the, the spandex body armor the and the yellow <clears throat> bat logo that was really really well done in the costume design department yeah it was very it, it, it plays on those dark sensibilities of like the bat being almost this elemental thing and so it's kind of like a the suit was almost like a force of nature in itself the only bad thing is that you know keen couldn't move his neck mm-hmm because the way they made the, the suit so he had to move his whole body whenever he wanted to move his neck that's right yeah but uh but yeah like it, it is even stories of like the, the wearing the bat suit would, would um would be very tough for him but that would help him stay in character because you know he you channel that anger and um you know and being the character and i think christian bale did the same thing with uh, nolan's films mm-hmm. batman begins so but yeah, it's, it was a great suit. Um, very unique. Actually, I really love the 1989 nice. 1989 bat suit. It's a really good bat suit, honestly. I think it is. Yeah, and yeah, it and is. we were discussing how the suit it's it's awesome. Yes, but. Uh, quite impractical given how it restricts a lot of neck movement and can he even hear in the suit because yes yeah he can't turn his neck unfortunately <laughs> yeah that was a big Keaton did not like that and I think um, Bale Christian Bale didn't like it either but then in the Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises they were able to fix that oh yes <laughs> yeah yeah and of course, we can't even. But the Batman can only be defined by his Joker, and Jack Nicholson is one of the best portrayals of the Joker. Definitely, yeah, yeah. it is. Like, like even before Tim Burton got on the project, like WB wanted Jack Nicholson to play the role. Like, it's like a role that was specifically made for him. And um, but yeah, he really. It was a very um, because. Tim Burton said it's about like duel of the freaks, so it's about Batman and Joker are like these two opposites, and how like um, Tim Burton said that the, there's a lot of freedom in being insane or being um, not bound by society, and I feel like Jack Nils- Jack Nicholson can play a character like that, this unhinged but also sophisticated character that you don't want to cross and mess with. Oh no, that's right. Yeah, and- amazing actor by the way. Mm-hmm. I love Jack Nicholson. Oh yeah. Yeah, me too. He really is greatly known for playing unhinged characters. Just ask his role in The Shining as well. Oh, definitely. Yes. Yeah. Actually, I, th- I heard Jack Nicholson was supposed to. He was actually. They're actually supposed to get him. Get him back after like Batman and Robin. Mm, I hear. Batman and Robin, like the canceled sequel. But That's right. That didn't go through because I think it was supposed to be like they wanted a whole bunch of villains for the that. That Batman sequel, but it got canceled apparently. Oh, I oh I heard something similar to that. Yeah, that's true. Wow. So yeah, it would have had oh. every every like previous like villain, I guess. That so it would have been like the um, the Penguin, uh, the Joker, um, Catwoman, and then like Mister Freeze, and basically all the all like the '90s, late '80s, like live action villains, but. Unfortunately, I guess because like Batman and Robin wasn't too successful, so they quite the understatement. Yeah, 
That makes sense. Yeah. And like they wanted to do Batman versus Superman, so they went to di- they went and did that, but that fell through too. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, I think that the Batman and uh, Superman. I think that was like in development hell for like a long time. I think mm-hmm. right because they've been planning that since the nineties. I think. Wow. Yeah. I heard like Colin Farrell was supposed to be like Batman and Jude Law was supposed to be like Superman actually if they had made it in the, in the 90s. Yeah, they also I think they also looked at um they also looked at Christian Bale I think to do that and then they really wanted Josh Hartnett to be Superman. Oh yeah, true. He is definitely like an early very famous early 2000s actor who hasn't I haven't really seen him lately actually. Good actor though. But I don't think he doesn't like superhero roles. He doesn't like. <laughs> oh, he likes that stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's real, wow. That's mind blowing indeed. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. coming back br- briefly to Jack Nicholson's Joker, I think out of all the versions of the Clown Prince of Crime, Jack Nicholson's has got to be the most comic book accurate. Like from the look mm-hmm. and to his. Um, origin story, you know, having fallen into a vat of chemicals that bleached his skin white and his lips red. Yeah, they pulled from the Red Hood origin story. Of, right. Like, um, I think in the early, I think it was the early comics where, like, they did, I think that was, like, the first origin story in the comics for Joker. That's right, uh, the killing joke, right? Yeah, killing joke. And also, yeah. it was earlier than that, too. When, um, but at that point, I don't think the Joker, I don't think they revealed that Joker was, was the Red Hood guy. But, um, mm. but yeah, they, they took, they pulled from that for sure. That's right, yeah. His supposed origin story, of course, guys. That's not, we don't know if that's really the origin story for the Joker, you know, given exactly. his multiple choice past logic. Yeah, even the Joker's gone to say he would prefer to be multiple choice. <laughs> that's right, yeah. And, Fun fact, now that we're on track on The Killing Joke, The Killing Joke was actually the very first comic Tim Burton read, and it's really surprising how much of a success his Batman film was, given how Burton wasn't a huge fan of comic books or superheroes. Yeah, but he was a fan of the symbol. Like, I, I watched a documentary with him, and he said, like, even though he wasn't a comic book fan, he was a fan of the symbol of Batman. Like, he was oh. in the art school. He was in art school. And they said, like, what are the three most uh, influential symbols? And one of the symbols was the Batman symbol. And it, like, <laughs> so it's, it's he's he's already a fan of the character in the sense of Batman being this um, almost primal but um, cultural icon, I guess. And, but, but yeah, um, it's great that he, he did a great job with the film, so. And Definitely, he, yeah. Yeah, he did a great job. He did. He sure as hell. I feel like they're, they're almost like, um, just because there's like too many Batman films too, I feel like they're a little bit, um, I wouldn't say like underappreciated, but they're actually pretty good. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. For, for its time, too. That's right, yeah. And, however, I will say this, this even though I did quite loved uh, Batman and appreciated the first one anyway, and appreciated the liberties it went with the source material, one change I'm kind of iffy about is the reveal that the, it was the Joker who killed Batman's parents, because I feel it would have been more, you know, effective, more impactful if, you know, how it was in the comics, more just a random mugger, a random act of violence. It really made it more meaningful, more poignant. 
Yeah, I think they did that just to connect the origin story because, you know, Batman and Joker, they're like the they're like yin and yang. So they wanted mm-hmm. to do a story where like their their life stories connected with each other and how they were almost destined to to meet each other almost, you know, and I guess that's why they did that. Even though, yeah, it's it, it's kind of it didn't need to be it didn't need to be there, but in terms of the film universe, I guess what they were trying to do was just make the mythology more connected and things like that. Yeah, yeah I never actually thought about that. That's a good point. Like, yeah, they are, I guess, supposed to like they are kind of like the yin and yin, um, yin and yang symbol. That's actually a good analogy. That's yes. pretty cool. I never thought of that. That's it pretty is. cool. It is, yeah. And. And the thing also, t- though technically speaking, if Batman were to kill the Joker, as he did in the first film, indirectly mm-hmm. a bit, Batman would practically, I think, retire from crime fighting since, you know, he got the man who killed his parents. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. But knowing Batman, he wouldn't stop, you know. Like, yeah. He's, he's committed to, you know, uh, fighting justice. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And one thing I feel we need to give a bit more attention to to the first Batman would have to be the frigging soundtrack by Danny Effman. Not to mention the original songs by the late Prince himself. Yeah, they were really it was really good. I mean, they had um Prince was Prince was was signed with Warner Brothers at a time. Mm-hmm. Warner Brothers music, I believe. And so I guess they they really wanted he was big at the time, so they wanted him to music on one of the big temple movies and uh but yeah he did a great job and and, and somebody told me that um and this is a this is a pretty cool cool analogy or, or perspective if you actually listen to like the danny elf main batman theme mm-hmm. it's like a darker version of the adam west tv show thing <laughs> that's what somebody no told way. me no way i didn't realize that i'm like oh like okay yeah that makes sense I can actually kind of, yeah, I can kind of hear that now. That's pretty cool. I never thought of that. No way. Yeah. Wow. So, like, you, you hear, like, I don't know if it's played backwards or whatever, but, mm-hmm. like, if you play, like, Adam West is very uplifting. Mm-hmm. It has that. Yeah. And then you hear, like, the Batman theme is like. So it's like a dark rendition. Very opposite of each other. Yeah. It's also crazy, too, how before batman 1989 like the adam west one was like the only like version that existed oh well there was also like a, a serial like um there's a black there was like an older older one but like it's crazy how there's like a huge gap between batman 1989 and the other tv shows that's right yeah yeah that's true yeah for and live action at least it's true yeah, yeah. and Back and the Prince, like out of all the original songs in Batman '89, to me the one that really sold me was the one uh, "Party Man," the one where the Joker and his gang vandalized the whole museum. That yeah. that's a fine yeah. example of crossing the line twice. That's, that's just quintessential Joker, like of course Joker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember like, watching that scene when I was. Oh, sorry to cut you off, but uh, no, sorry. I just remember watching that scene when I was younger too. When I first saw Batman 1989, I remember laughing at the at the vandalism scene. I don't know. I just thought it was so goofy and stuff. Right, what? <laughs> Knowing this is Joker we're talking about, it really makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a very comedic like part in the movie. It's, it's funny. It is, yeah. 
Yeah, and it suited the character, so it was like, yeah, that's what Burton did so well. Like, he made his own thing, but he still it still makes sense from a character perspective. Yes, yeah. And is it just me, or does the Joker look a bit creepier without the makeup on? You know, with when he's mm-hmm. with that hideous grin, it gives it's like some uncanny valley type. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, um, I'd like to discuss what is your guys' favorite scene from Batman '89? On to you, Emmanuel. Oh, um, it took me a while, but to figure this out. But it, yeah, this I came to this conclusion. Like it's the um, the scene when Batman is um, fighting all the thugs and he's trying to save um, Vicky Vale. So when they're in a, when they're when they're on the top of the building, and Joker sends one thug one by one to fight him. <laughs> oh yeah, it was just so badass because Batman is like it's nothing to him. Like he's he's a skilled fighter and and like and it's just kind of funny. Like this one black guy was giving him trouble, but he was able to to, to take him out. And so it was like it's like it's like he like he, it's like he can't stop Batman. It's like he's mm-hmm. this unstoppable force. Oh, yeah. A good force, you know, to fight evil. And I just like the way it was shot and mu- the music was Danny Elfman's music. Danny Elfman's mm-hmm. music was really good. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was a badass scene. Oh, yeah. And this was way before Batman had that one rule, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And on to you, John. What is your favorite scene from 89's Batman? All right. I gotta say, from. 89 Batman I think my favorite scene is probably like the like opening introduction scene to yes the beginning of Batman where he um he um he uh confronts the thugs and he says I want you to tell your friends about me I just thought that was like a very iconic like line and it's a very like it's a very cool introduction to like um a a darker like Batman at the time because I at the time that was probably like the darkest live-action version of the character as opposed to the Adam West version. So, yeah, I gotta say, just the introduction to the Batman character in 89 is part of my favorite scene. Good choice, man. Funny enough, that's actually my favorite scene from the first one, too. Like, (laughs) there's just... Like, it really emphasizes one of Batman's greatest weapon, which is fear. How he strikes fear into the hearts of criminals. Great introduction to such an iconic character. And it really shows just how, well, how terrifying Batman can be. Like, imagine seeing Batman from the perspective of a Gotham criminal. It's like seeing the the, the bat creature everyone's talking about, like the monster that comes out in the night. Like, he, Batman's some kind of boogeyman, basically. Yeah, I also sure. just want to say that, oh, sorry. Um, you can go I just also want to say, too, that I feel like Michael Keaton is under, is a, definitely an underappreciated, like, Batman Bruce Wayne. Like, I feel like he actually did a pretty good job as playing Batman Bruce Wayne. And it was cool because before he was only known for, like, comedic, like, dramatic roles. So it was kind of cool how he took on the role of Batman and people were actually, like, surprised. Like, oh, he's actually, he could play a good Batman. That's right, yeah. And even, and not just that, but the fact that he was of average build as opposed to the Batman in the comics mm-hmm. and he on how he was too short as well to play the character. Yeah. And there's definitely a lot of arguments too 
like you can like from fan bases and stuff there's definitely a lot of arguments about how buff batman should be how mm. how he should like look and stuff but i think michael keaton especially just during that that time period for like 89 i think that was definitely a suitable like bruce wayne batman absolutely yeah yeah. yeah, and luckily for us, Batman would, or in this case, Michael Keaton would take up the cowl again in bat in the next film, Batman Returns, or as I like to call it, Batman Returns, for thirty minutes because, for like he's he's Batman Batman Returns. I noticed like he's barely in the film. Actually, Batman Returns is the Batman film where he has the least bit of screen time, as I researched. Oh. Huh. I didn't realize that, but yeah, it can kind of make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because they really wanted yeah, to show these Catwoman and Penguin. Oh, what were you going to say, John? Oh, no, I was just saying, yeah, Batman Returns is like a really unique um, film, too, because um, I actually don't remember it too, too much. But yeah, that's all I wanted to say. You can continue, though. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's just they really wanted to showcase penguin and catwoman and mm. they kind of stole the show they kind of stole the movie <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh yeah with michelle Pfeiffer, danny the video yeah did yeah there's one thing that batman is really well known for is that he has such amazing villains and penguin are, and catwoman are two of his most memorable villains as well and really great performances as you said emmanuel from danny devito and michelle pfeiffer like let's start with catwoman like michelle pfeiffer's catwoman was just spectacular she's lethal dangerous and sexy (laughs) i i really yeah they really they pulled all the stops i mean when they were casting the role um a lot of women wanted to play the role like originally annette benning was going to play it but she got pregnant so she had she had to leave and um, Sean Young, who played Rachel in Blade Runner, All right. she, she showed up in costume to, to, to do the audition because oh. she was like, I'm Catwoman. <laughs> wow. Oh, nice. cool. I didn't know that. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, they didn't cast her, of course, but she was yeah. obviously enthusiastic about doing it. But, um, but yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, Burton wasn't familiar with her work, but he, um, they had a meeting and he was sold. Like, oh, wait, you can play Catwoman. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's just a great character. Like it's, she's a great foil to Batman in the sense of, you can you can view and um, what's her name said uh, Zoe Kravitz kind of said this that mm-hmm. Batman represents like this masculinity while Catwoman represents this strong femininity, and I feel like you needed an actress like Michelle Pfeiffer to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, I think to your point about the femininity is, I think that is Catwoman or rather Selina Kyle's like story in Batman Returns. Basically, a shy, troubled woman trying to find her own right. femininity, which she does, and she become and she becomes like this, you know, very seductive, strong, empowered, independent young woman. It's, and good props to the costumes as well like Michelle Pfeiffer's costume it's just amazing really really captured the spirit the tone of the the comics really amazing very 90s too just perfect for that um, that time there as well yes definitely yeah it's 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 like it's like I keep saying like 
he's able to Burton is able to combine the comics with his own aesthetic. So like mm-hmm. it looks like the actual costume, but it also has like a like a emo dark tone to it with all the, yeah. the white uh, very goth. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. In fact, to your point about the whole gothic look, I feel Tim Burton's version, his vision of Gotham City, I think is the most accurate portrayal of Gotham City in the comics. You know how it's all gothic. It really sells the idea this is really a city of crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the production designers, they pull a lot from like different architectures. They pull from like German Expressionism in the first one, and then in the second oh. one, they added like. Russian architecture and mm. like fascist architecture so it's oh. it, it gave a really cool look to it especially in like in the scenes in Batman Returns when they're walking on the street and you see like those statues almost like almost like communist Russia statues <laughs> oh cool yeah it's, it's pretty cool yeah I can definitely see that now I never thought of that before that's right yeah, yeah. and um, we talked about the cat and the bat. Now it's time to talk about the bird, the penguin. <laughs> like Danny DeVito, he really, much like Jack Nicholson's Joker, he really steals this show in every scene he's in. His penguin is a really good balance of both being humorous and the next biting your nose off. <laughs> like just really, get really good makeup too. Right? Yeah. That's a really good what? Oh, it's that really good makeup on um, the penguin. Yeah, it took hours for, for them to put it on. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, he, he was a great. That's a great performance because, like, the penguin is, is is a character that's kind of you don't want to cross him, and so he's he's very self conscious. He's a very self conscious person. I think even in the comics and some of the cartoons too. But he's always trying to. He's like one of those um, those mafia type or illegal mm-hmm. crime figures that want to look. Well, I want to be legitimate, and so mm-hmm. that kind of, I think they play that well in the film, they portray that well in the film, how uh, he comes from, you know, crime-ridden environment, but he wants to be a legitimate politician or businessman or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so, but he does go a little crazy because <laughs> how they're mm-hmm. treating him. So, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, to your point, like Penguin or Oswald Cobblepot is a villain who is usually, you know, underestimated because of his size and the fact that he looks like a bird with his with penguin like attributes. But he's a fine example of never judge a book by its cover, I'd say. Mm, sure. Definitely you know, a force to not be that should not be wrecked into his right. Yeah. Yeah. And this film, like at the time of its release, Batman Returns has gotten a bit of flack for being way too, you know, dark and grotesque for the nineties at the time. You know, the funny thing is that Tim Burton thinks the film was less dark. <laughs> oh, really? Because, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, I saw an interview or a documentary where he said, like, to him, it seemed like the response was mixed. Like, some people were like, "Oh, it's too light," and then some people were like, "It's too dark." But um. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, I guess, to me personally, I do think it's, I think it's the same amount of darkness. I don't think it's that dark. Maybe with the violence, it's a little bit darker, mm-hmm. but I guess Burton just, was just trying to push, you know, the, the boundaries of um, what a comic book film could, could portray in terms of the tone and violence, I guess. 
definitely, yeah. Now, that makes almost sense why he then returned to his comedic roots as well, uh, Burton, and why after Batman Returns, the franchise became um, lighter and softer. Yeah, it's it just, you it, know, that that direction I don't agree with. <laughs> but before we get to that other direction, direction, let's talk about yeah. your favorite scene from Batman Returns, from Keaton's last outing as the Batman, at least until Flash 2022 comes around. So let's start with you, John. The thing I actually really liked about Batman Returns is I really like the scene where he rips his mask off to um, reveal his identity. I thought that was a really cool scene. And I don't know, it kind of shows like, I don't know, I guess like how almost like in every different like Batman movie, the mask is made out of like different material. Mm -hmm. Like you would think it, it would be like some sort of helmet, but it looked like a piece of like rubber. But I thought that was just a really cool, like interesting raw scene from the Batman movies. It was, yeah. And then Max Shrek ruins the moment by saying, Bruce Wayne, why are you dressed up like Batman? Yes. Oh yeah, Christopher Walken was right. That. Yes, yeah. Oh, like yeah, he. That one was like, because he's because he is Batman anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, and you're you're right, John. You're right. Like Christopher Walken. Let's talk a bit, a little bit more about him before we move on to Emmanuel. Like his performance was really great, and the thing is, his character Max Shrek is not even a character from the comics. He was made specifically for this film. Yeah. Um, I just felt you needed a you needed a a character almost an antagonist for Catwoman because you needed this asshole character that that messed her life up. You needed to have like um, yeah, you needed an antagonist for her story to and um, he represents he represents corruption of Gotham City mm -hmm. and how he's also trying to get the Penguin to he's partnering with the Penguin for their own you know nefarious purposes so. I felt that if you're gonna get a character like that, and I'm guessing Christopher Walken would be one of the people you look at to uh, to have that different dynamic. Um, but yeah, it was a great role for him. Great actor. And yeah. what amazes me, one more thing amazes me about Batman Returns is the fact that there were too many villains, three of them actually, and yet the plot was more focused it didn't feel overcrowded or you know overstuffed they really balanced it well despite its many villains yeah they they did a good job with the writing um it, it went through different you know variations of course but the, the, always from the beginning the main thing was having penguin and catwoman and I feel like once you, I think the story focused mainly on those two and it didn't really, there was no subplots or, you know, mm -hmm. that other type of stuff, which is good because Batman, in order to raise the stakes, I guess, for Batman, you need to have these two villain characters that can, that can challenge him. And it felt like the story was all about the three of them, mm -hmm. which is what it needed to be. Um, it didn't feel overcrowded to me. Mm -hmm. It might be a little long, but it was, it was a good, it's a good length. It's a good, um, it had good pacing too. was. Yeah, truly. And on to you, Manuel, like, what was your favorite scene from Batman Returns? Oh, uh, my favorite scene, it took me a while to think of this, but I've always thought about the scene. Um, it's when, um, Batman and Penguin have talked first, first talked to each other mm. and they're almost sizing each other up. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and that was a great scene. And then like Catwoman just interrupts and there's an ex- she says meow and there's an explosion. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's like my favorite scene. That's like that's quintessential Catwoman. Like mm-hmm. she would do that. <laughs> right, definitely. Yeah. Yes. And for me my favorite scene would be where we finally get to see Catwoman in action. You know, where she stops this guy from about to rape this other woman. She basically slices his face, tick, tac toe. And then right. she says the iconic line, I am Catwoman, hear me roar. Like, wow. And, and that voice, good points yeah. to the voice too, like so seductive. <laughs> Love it. Like, yeah, I, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's a great film because, and is. I think, I think that's why Byrne was attracted to Batman because if you think about it, Batman is a misfit and all these other characters are misfits. Yeah. And like these, you know, Catwoman and Batwoman, I'm, I said Batman and Catwoman, they're both similar because they're both like these misfit people. And even Bruce Wayne said that we're cut from the same cloth or something like that. Mm-hmm. And like, it's just amazing how they they tap into like their own dark pers- parts of personality that they don't present to society. How they're able to just rele- revel in that. Right. And so that was pretty cool. Yeah, that, that's true. Like basically uh batman and catwoman are two sides of the same coin basically just two people who are wronged by the corruption in their own home their own city and they break that same law to get what they want exactly it's amazing really and now we move on to the next film this is how it happened this is how the batman died <laughs> for now for now okay Batman Forever. Okay, this one thing that really stands out to me in this film, the only good thing I can say about this film would be the Riddler's suit. (laughs) Like, it's very comic book accurate. And Jim Carrey, he really did a good job with what he did. And that's the Riddler, basically. You know, he's all very quirky, flamboyant, and has a huge personality and presence as well. Yeah. Yeah, it just it just wasn't a good movie. <laughs> like like Joel Schumacher, like they really I guess because they Batman returns didn't do so well, so Warner Bros. was like, let's do a, a lighter, campier version and they got Schumacher to do that and like it's just I don't know, it was just bad all around. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's just the script wasn't good the acting acting was okay at best the direction wasn't that great um yeah it's just yeah they didn't know what to, what to do with the franchise I feel like with that movie they really wanted to sell a lot of like action figures mm-hmm. too I guess yeah like, sure yeah with the with the with the, the costumes and stuff and the, the characters they had in it cause it was um who was it? It was Riddler and then oh yeah, Two Face. Two Face, oh god. <laughs> like yeah. Tommy Tommy Lee Jones' Two Face just it's like Tommy Lee Jones, he acts as if like he has no idea what movie he is in. <laughs> yeah, he's just there. He's just I don't know how they I don't even know how they got him. Um, he's a great actor, but it's probably just money, they're just like, Yep. Yeah. I'll do it. Yeah. It, that's yeah, it has to be money. Mm. Yeah. All right, everyone. Chill. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, this, geez, like, 
I honestly think though, like Val Kilmer didn't do that bad of a job playing Batman. Like he wasn't like horrible. I think he he did an okay job. I think with playing Bruce Wayne. Yeah, he kept the he kept the serious dark interpretation that. Mm-hmm. Well, he was kind of more serious than Keaton, but it was still in mm-hmm. keeping with what Keaton did. Uh, to, for the most part. It's yeah. true. He had like the the PT had like the PTSD of um his childhood and stuff. I think they had like the flashback scenes where the was it the mom that dropped the rose? That was the Batman Forever, right? I kind of uh, it that. was, if I recall correctly, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like those are some good scenes, I think. That's right. Okay. Yeah, they were. They were. Yeah, like like I mentioned before to Emmanuel, like in in a similar vein to David Lynch with Dune or Ryan Johnson with Star Wars, like Joel Schumacher is a great was a great director, but mm-hmm. Batman was really not meant for him, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it really wasn't. Um, there's reports that you know he made, he supposedly he made a a darker version of the film. Mm-hmm. That Warner Brothers didn't sign off on, or so I, yeah, I, I put the blame on Warner Brothers. They they really wanted it's to do lighter. The studio, the studios, and you can tell nowadays it's just like even stuff with like the Snyder cut and stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's definitely all like studios' faults. Like a lot of people blame like directors and stuff, but like the studio is a big part of it because it's kind of all about making money, unfortunately. So they're like. Yeah, we don't really care about your vision. We want to do like we just want to make money. Sure. At least the, the Schumacher cut, though. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. No. no, you're right. You're right, John. It's just it's just least common denominator. Yeah. Like, let's just make this money. Who cares if it's good or not? <laughs> so true. So true. Now, enough with this division and negativity. Now it's time to resurrect Batman, which he did in 2005 by the man, the myth, the legend, Christopher Nolan. Like my favorite director, by the way. Like he, awesome. Yes, he really. Wow, I don't even know where to begin. Oh, well, with Batman Begins then. All right, then. So, like, he really made, brought Batman down to his roots. Like, he answered the question, what would Batman be like if he existed in our world? And he succeeded to perfection with that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. Like, Nolan, like, Nolan knew that, well, they, he knew that Warner Bros. was trying to revitalize Batman and, so he did his own pitch after he did insomnia he mm. pitched it to the studio and um i guess they liked his pitch and then um he got david gore involved to write the script and it's just the right people came at the right time you know mm-hmm. and it's just a great and it he really went to the source material he like right and what's and what's great about the film is that you actually see how batman became batman it's like that's never been done before mm-hmm. true yeah. um so but also in a realistic way so that was just amazing mm-hmm. yeah yeah. I love how too like how Batman begins if you watch it today it's almost like a timeless like Batman movie like mm-hmm. it's still a pretty good origin story even for today's standards because that was 2005 it aged yeah. pretty it did it sure did yeah let's talk about now the new man of the hour Christian Bale as Batman like 
to me, if Michael Keaton played Batman was more about Batman, I think Christian Bale's portrayal was more about Bruce Wayne. Like he really gave a more a very human this human realistic side to Batman. Like Batman is the main character, that's for sure, but the point of his film, he really made us care about Bruce Wayne as a character, as a human being. Yeah, and that's a testament to the to the filmmaking because the majority of Batman Begins is just it's from Bruce Wayne's perspective. I think it's like maybe an hour, a little over an hour before he actually puts on the costumes. So, That's right. You know? Yeah, yeah. So good character development. Yes. Yeah, it's good character development. Like setting up the audience to actually care for who's behind the costume and not just waiting to see him fight people. You know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Actually yeah. Care like who's underneath it. Exactly, and, and that's just good filmmaking. Yeah, and and to your point, when you say Manuel, how Batman was an unstoppable force, like in Burton's films, Batman was more like like a, an unstoppable force of nature, basically, like this boogeyman. But in the Nolan verse, like Batman, Christian Bale's Batman was vulnerable. We see how he keeps falling, failing, and how he got his back broken later, and he had to suffer so much. Like this is a Batman that actually got hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of, one of my favorite scenes is when um, I think it's the end about about the end of Act Two, like second act of the film, when he confronts Scarecrow and he but he's out of his depth. Right. Mm-hmm. Scarecrow gets the upper hand and he sprays the fear gas in his face, and it's like you see Batman mm-hmm. Batman's not in control at that moment, mm-hmm. and it's such a great scene because it's like oh crap, like <laughs> how do I yeah. how do I get out of this? And you see like all the images from his past come up. Mm-hmm. You see how vulnerable he is, and it's just a great scene. Like, and when he fell from the from the building and fire, that was amazing. That was an amazing shot. Mm-hmm. That was, man. Nolan is so good. <laughs> oh yeah. So- and Cillian Murphy did a really good job as Scarecrow too. Jonathan Crane. That was a really good character. Oh yeah. In oh, fact, he was perfect. He was perfect. That's right. Yeah. In I fact, because when I first saw Batman Begins, I was probably in grade one. So I remember seeing that in theaters. I was actually pretty scared of the character. I was like, whoa. Because I was too used to, like, the the previous iterations of Batman. So I was like, whoa, this is actually kind of, like, scary a little bit. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in fact, one fact, Killian Murphy was actually a choice to play Batman in Nolan's trilogy. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He did, uh, he did screen test. Uh, one of the casting directors knew Amy Adams. So Amy Adams played the role of, of Rachel. For the, for the oh. cast for the casting auditions wow. and she did a read with uh, Celia Murphy and uh, Celia Murphy and Christian Bale and another guy I can't remember his name but yeah that was pretty cool so I yeah. can't remember it was one of the documentaries where you could look up like the screen auditions and you see Celia Murphy as Batman but no one was like oh. yeah he just didn't fit the <laughs> he, he, you, mm. couldn't, you couldn't buy him as Batman but yeah. he kept on his crane though he did. Yeah, he's kind of he has he's kind of a, a little he plays like darker roles. That's kind of interesting though. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Yes, yeah. And fun fact also, like Scare outside of the Joker, Scarecrow is my favorite Batman villain. Like from his look, mm-hmm. his abilities, like in a way, I think if the Joker was out of the picture, Scarecrow would take the place as Batman's arch nemesis because if you think about it they're both dark reflections of each other like two sides of the same coin they both use fear as a weapon their main weapon mm-hmm. yeah and that's why 
that's why Batman Begins is, is such a great film because mm-hmm. the main theme is fear mm-hmm. so you need in terms of a sto- in the story sense you needed a character like the Scarecrow to right. be like because all these different characters you look at uh, Batman Falcone Raza mm-hmm. Ghoul and Scarecrow they all use fear in some extent and so it's a, it really is a story about how that fear is being used and what you can, how the abuses of power and, and things like that and and how far Batman is willing to go, you know, or how is he able to face up against these villains too? Oh yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's it's really good film. It's a really great film. Oh yes, and about more on uh, Christian Bale's Batman. Like I really love the suit. It looks the co- once again the costume design deserve more praise, especially for uh, Simon Maguire who designed the bat suit. It's it looks very like you know militaristic the suit. Yeah. Yeah, because um, David Gore, he did research on it, and I believe that he pulled from, like, Department of Defense in terms of how the military was doing their own um, uniforms or, no, their research, with their research oh, perhaps. Huh. But, um, yeah, they based, it, they based it on a very realistic idea, you know, Kevlar, biweave, and things like that. It makes sense. That's why Batman would have that type of suit on right yeah and and this very time real, very realistic oh yeah, yeah. it also gives him it's one part militaristic and makes him look like a ninja as well like mm-hmm. yeah and this yeah t- it's awesome like the yeah the gauntlets and like mm-hmm. yeah it's just it's really cool yeah and this time he can actually move his neck yeah. yeah. <laughs> however, however, I gotta say I have a bit of a mixed feelings on the voice of Bale Man because it sounds oh, very yeah. raspy, like very growly, like he's trying it too much to be scary. I'd say. Yeah, and I think he need well he had to find a way to disguise his voice, mm-hmm. and so for better or for worse he he um. You know, he used like a super deep voice. Where <laughs> <laughs> are they? Where's the trigger? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also, the, the Batman Begins has some great like cinematography too. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. I think it was like one of the first. Like, actually, yeah, the other ones had good cinematography, but this was like 2005. Like that type of cinematography in a Batman film, and just like the whole like realism of um. Nolan's Batman trilogy. Really good cinematography. It does, definitely. Oh, yeah, Wally Fister was a great DP. Um, yeah, I don't know how he did it. Like, there's just great shots. shots. Yeah, oh, what were you going to say? I was just saying this, the shots were, like, insane for the cinematography. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah they're really good. Yeah. And I love... Uh, um, you going to say something, Emmanuel? No, like, they're really good. Like, there's great variety and shot design and great wide shots too definitely yeah and what i really love like we all know batman is like this ninja and a fighter but i love how batman begins instead shows to tell more of a character driven story almost like a, mm-hmm. a neo-noir mm-hmm. yeah. like, like we're, yeah, for sure. we're looking through the psyche of bruce wayne like not Batman, even like even Bruce said it towards the end how Batman is a symbol, not a person. Definitely yeah, yes. Yeah, like it's it's a great film because it shows you, like you said, Nick, it shows the psychology 
why somebody would do this. I mean, yeah, he had the death of his parents, but then also, you know, he challenged, he has to use that anger for something. And so, and that's a great, it's almost like a Nietzsche, Nietzschean type thing. Cause it's, mm-hmm. he's like, he's better. It's like, he's bettering himself, you know, mm-hmm. being this, this amazing crime fighter. He's putting his body to limit. He's great at what he does. And so it's, yeah, this is a great, um, inside of the character. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. And I really, and I, even though the story is about Batman, I love how they put more emphasis on the people around him, his allies, like Gordon, Alfred, Lucius. I really love the relationship too. It showed between Bruce Wayne and Alfred. I thought that was a really good like representation in the Nolan films. Yes, yeah, like, like that quote that he said really inspired me, that why do we fall, sir, so we can learn to pick ourselves up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. quintessential that's, Alfred. That's a good <laughs> that's right. That's a great line. Yes, yeah. we all need an Alfred in our lives, Michael for sure. Stevens. Yeah. Really good actor. Yes. Yeah, yes. and I just, that's the heart of the film, like, mm-hmm. and I feel like, I feel like past Batman films, even though I love Keaton and and Michael Goff, I feel like their relationship wasn't really developed in those films. But in Nolan's films, films, yeah. yeah, but in Nolan's films, it's full, it's front and center. And like, it's, because mm-hmm. it makes sense. You like, if you're doing all this vigilante stuff, you need somebody, you need that confidant, you need that relationship that grounds you, you know? That's right. And it really showed how like Alfred was like, basically like Bruce's like stepdad did yeah basically yeah it's, it's a great he's a father figure to him so mm-hmm. and yeah this is a great relationship yes definitely yeah and although batman begins also was a great film this is a bit of a nitpick for me but i feel um the like most superhero films that the third act was kind of eh, for me like it's more of a character driven mm-hmm. story except during the whole third act Mm-hmm. Oh, you didn't like the third act, Nick? Um, that, that's a bit too extreme. Like, I felt, um, you know, it's, like, a bit cliched, I think, after what, like, mm-hmm. after se- yeah. all the themes. Well, well it, it, it's a comic book film, so it needed a <laughs> well. battle. Well, well. Yeah. But just for the sake of this episode, I'm going to look past it. <laughs> but then, <laughs> yeah, so, no. I mean, I like the third act. It wasn't, it's not the best, but, I mean, it. You know, he needed to fight Ra's al Ghul, and that's what he did. And it's a great epic battle because, you know, the city of Gotham City's at stake. And mm-hmm. uh, what was cheesy, though, was when, like, the guys at the main, the guys in the transportation, they kept talking. And, like, it just seemed cheesy whenever, like, it's going to blow. Like, it's going to blow. Like, oh, okay, that's get right. It. <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> we kept the stakes. <laughs> but other than that, I liked the third eye. I did. I think this is one of like Liam Neeson's like really good roles. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, as yeah, Ra's al Ghul. Like they purposely, David Gore said like he knew that Liam Neeson um, plays these mentor figures, but they really wanted him to turn, and uh, mm. because he's his, he's like the main villain. So mm. and Liam Neeson, he hasn't played a, a main villain character like that before. So it's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just, it was great. And he played it well, so. He did, yeah. Like, the way I see it, like, if 
like Ra's al Ghul is more liking an evil counterpart to Alfred. Like if Alfred is the one who can look into the humanity of Batman, like he's the one Batman's like morality, center of morality. And on the other hand, Ra's al Ghul is wants to make Batman like embrace that the monster in him, the the dark side of himself. Yeah, that's a great contrast because, um, and you can kind of see like Razagul was almost seductive because, like, he was saying, you know, after they were training the ice, and like he, he basically explained his backstory, and it's like, why can't you use this anger to, to avenge your parents? And it's like, it's almost seductive. It's almost like, you know, be like me, you know, but, mm-hmm. but, uh, Batman, but Bruce Wayne is like, no, like, that's what separates us from the bad people is that we have the compassion. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's true. Definitely, yes. It's true, yeah. Now, favorite scene from Batman Begins. Let's start with you, Emmanuel. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, took me a while, but uh, yeah, I've, I've always loved this scene. I always think about the scene all the time. It's when um, the final day when... Um, when Bruce has finished his training with the League of Shadows mm. and he does that final exercise where he has to find Ra's al Ghul and all these men that, that, look, that look the same. Mm-hmm. And um, when he failed and Ra's al Ghul was telling him, concentrate, <laughs> you know? And, like, yeah. <laughs> and he said, master your fear. And it's like, oh my God, that's awesome. Cause like you're getting an insight into how Batman became Batman. and. It's almost badass how he was trained by these ninjas. That's that's oh, that's yeah. freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It's that's blast. so awesome. So yeah, that's my favorite scene. Nice man. On to you, John. All right. Yeah, this is like really hard too. There's a like a lot of there's a lot of like I don't know because just put that on begins is like like ten out of ten, but like there's a lot of like really good scenes. I really like the um. I really like the the training scenes with uh, Razegul and um yes. and, and Bruce Wayne. Those are some really good scenes. But I also really like one particular scene. I really liked was um where it was the um it was the um what was it Scarecrow's like um his um his uh, gas drug. It goes into um he inhales some of it and then it really shows like that evil um. You guys remember that scene? It shows that really oh, right, like, where evil he sees Batman as like some demon. Yeah, yeah, he looked like a demon or something. Yeah, I thought that was really cool to see for um, for something in a Batman film, especially like just because everything prior wasn't hasn't really showed like Batman like that. I thought that was a really interesting scene. Was yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was scary, man. It was yeah. <laughs> Right. Dis- disturbing. Like. <laughs> right, yeah. I remember seeing that in theaters too. Like when it came out, I was like, whoa, this is pretty scary. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. For, for me, uh, it would have to be the entire training montage between Bruce and Ross Al Ghul. Mm. Like, really, it's beautifully shot and it really. It really, we really get to see what the title promised us, how Batman begun. Like, I think Christopher Nolan showing the life of Bruce after his parents died was the best decision he made. Like, we get to see his pain, the trauma he endured from losing his parents right from his very eyes and how he basically lived up to what Ra's al Ghul told him in the prison cell, how he'll become a legend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's great because we finally see 
I mean, yeah, in the superhero films, you have origin stories, but with Batman, you know, Batman is was so well known at the time, it, it made sense to explore like why did he become that? Like why did he become Batman? And so that that helped the audience to really get behind why he is the way he is or why he's that way. And yeah, this is a great origin story, and yeah. And lots of really quotable and inspirational lines during that montage, like in always mind your surroundings and theatricality and deception are powerful agents to the uninitiated. <laughs> yeah, it's something that Roger Good would say, right? I mean, it's like, only Liam Neeson could, could, could say that, like play those lines. Mm. He, but he had to be a mentor figure in that moment. And again, it makes sense, like, okay Batman is a person that deals in the shadows like okay like who would, who, would, who would be the type of people that would train him to do that it would be ninjas or like so you would meet like a, you, it makes sense for Liam Neeson to play this mentor figure that's talking and riddles and parables and whatever and like <laughs> did you just say riddles <laughs> yeah or, or he's talking in these metaphors But yeah, it's just, it makes sense, the story. Wow, just, I learned so much from two people who don't even exist. It's amazing, really. Yeah. yeah and now, now we move on to the creme de la creme, The Dark Knight, which is not just my favorite Batman movie, not just my favorite superhero movie, but my favorite movie of all time. It's, it deserves it. Um, yeah, like I said in our my solo episode it just entered the national film registry so that's a big deal that's a really big deal oh yeah and it's a film that's going to stand the test of time um but yeah it's a great batman film i think it's probably the best batman film ever oh yes definitely like where do we even begin with the dark knight well let's start with oh, the man. simplest one the joker he is god heath ledger is a legend like he really stole the show in every scene he's in it's that it's that performance and that film that i you watch countless times and you learn something new every time mm -hmm. yeah it's magical like um i just read uh from the wikipedia page that uh, apparently like heath was doing such a great job that even gary oldman was like wow this this guy is really doing something special mm. yeah so It's a shame he's no longer with us, but um, yeah, rest in peace. Yes, but but yeah, he he yeah he almost he basically stole that movie from Christian Bale. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it's it's a great performance. I remember when I first saw The Dark Knight. Actually, I think it was just my age, but I remember being very like shocked by it. I was like, just how dark it was too. Like it was like darker than Batman Begins. Like I thought Batman Begins was dark, but like. No, this is, like, really dark. I was like, whoa. That's right, yeah. Es escalation, yeah, that's really, mm -hmm. I think that's the main theme of The Dark Knight, basically. Like, to your point, Emmanuel, if Batman Begins is about fear, The Dark Knight is more about escalation, about anarchy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, Jim Gordon said it best, like, we, 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 buy, we get Kevlar and they start buying armor-piercing rounds, And then you're jumping off rooftops, and then there's this, there's this one guy who's robbing banks and stuff as a joker. So it's like mm -hmm. it's like the idea of, and it's kind of the same in the comic books. Like if you think about it, because 
whenever Batman starts his his crusade against crime, of course these villains start popping up out of nowhere, and it's like it make it raises the stakes because it's like you know it's like the extremity of what he's doing, I guess tapping into people's fears, like no one said in one interview, and so yeah, it just it makes sense why escalation would be a theme of Dark Knight. Yes, yeah. Definitely. And I'd like to talk a bit more about full length about Heath Ledger's legendary performance. Like if Jack Nicholson's Joker, he was a great, great performance. But he captured more of the character's, um, you know, comedic and quirky yeah. nature. But like he's more of a gangster, basically. But Heath Ledger's Joker is just a full blown psychopath, a, a complete sadist. Mm -hmm. Like. It was pretty scary, actually. Like, like he, exactly. Like yeah, he's he like as we mentioned before. Like Heath Ledger's Joker, he's more like less of a supervillain and more like a terrorist. He's a guy who is just fed up with the status quo and w believes chaos is the natural order of things. I read that thing to that. Oh, sorry. You can go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, I was just saying that. Um, I read to you that. Apparently Heath Ledger, uh, for his Joker performance, he was inspired by um, A Clockwork Orange and then Sid Vicious of the Sex Pistols, which I thought was pretty cool inspirations yeah. for the yeah. Joker. Yeah. Very anarchy. Yes, yeah. Like he looks, he looks something like straight out of a horror movie as well. With his, also with his Glasgow smile, Ugh, just chilling. Yeah. It's a it's a great interpretation. It's a great new interpretation of Joker, because mm -hmm. like it mo it almost modernizes it, but also it still is, keeps keeps to the essence of the character. Mm -hmm. right, yeah. The source material. That's right. They pull a lot from the source material in this movie. Like it's really good, and yeah, it's and but yeah, the Joker he's he represents that escalation. He represents you know what happens when you have this vigilante exacting injustice okay what happens when um a, a criminal that's that can't be bought or a criminal as a terrorist it, it enters the, the scene so mm -hmm. yeah it's it's really good from a story standpoint it's, it's very it makes sense it's very good yes yeah in fact at one point alfred like this quote perfectly describes the joker's character how he's basically a some men just want to watch the world burn and that's the joker mm -hmm. and he but he doesn't just want to watch it he's the one who wants to ignite the fire yeah it's, like it's really just and also like the joker like Heath ledger's joker the that whole monologue that of his scars reminds me each story is different but it's just as disturbing like it really raises more questions like we don't know which yeah. story is true we don't know if they're true to begin with we're not even sure if the joker remembers how he got his scars a lot of parallels to um the killing joke with his multiple choice story I found it, like, scary, too, how, like, the Joker just, like, appeared basically out of, like, nowhere, too. Mm -hmm. Like, awesome. That's, like, what's really, like, mysterious and scary about the story. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that's what, no one, that's what the filmmakers wanted. Like, they specifically didn't do an origin story for him, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. They wanted him to just explode like he just burst in like he did in the comic books he just came out of nowhere and, mm -hmm. and now batman has to fight him 
Yeah. That's right. It yeah. makes it more terrifying. Think of like, yeah. <laughs> like you don't even know where this guy comes from, and he just shows up. It does. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, and and more about when you mentioned how the Joker represents escalation and anarchy. He also represents like a more feral, darker version of Batman. Like, they're polar opposites. Like, each villain Batman faces has like something resem that mirrors him like mr freeze how they're both motivated by the loss of a loved one scarecrow how they both use fear as a weapon and the joker like what does the joker represent he represents batman's potential insanity like if you think about it there is nothing sane about a guy who dresses up like a bat and beats up criminals at night mm -hmm. yeah for sure and yeah it's like it's, it goes back to the first film a little bit the Batman 989 it's like these both of these characters are misfits They're, you could call them freaks and like, I think Joker even said that like he's just a freak like me so <laughs> so it's like um, but they both represent um, Batman represents order and Joker represents chaos so there's like it's, it's like even Nolan has said like it's like a logical response to a character like Batman, you know, like you, you got to have these two opposing forces, and for the story to work that way. Yeah, like, and it's more like the Joe. I like how the Joker's motivation is very complex. It's he's most villains just want to just kill the hero and there it's done. But the Joker doesn't want to kill Batman. He wants to destroy what he represents. He wants to show that everyone is just as evil just as ugly as he is mm -hmm. yeah and that's what the film is really getting at is like he, you know after the first film because okay he's, he's successful in creating this um this symbol this legend but now it's under threat it's mm -hmm. under threat by the joker mm -hmm. right and that's a good um outgrowth of the story in terms of challenge continue continue to challenge batman and, yeah, just a lot of story. A lot of story choices. It, it makes sense why Joker was the villain in terms of the story. Yes, yeah. In fact, that whole thing, like how he he wants to show that anyone can and will become a monster if they're pushed to the limit, if they're pushed that far. I. It reminds me of one of his quotes, if not the most iconic quote from The Killing Joke, that all it takes is one bad day to drive the sanest man into lunacy. Yeah. yeah. And it's crazy, too, how in The Dark Knight, we don't really know, like, the, the Joker's, like, origin, so it's... That makes it even, like, more scary, too, because we don't know what that bad day could have been or what affected him to be like that. Exactly, yeah. And furthermore, like, one line that further describes the Joker for me is how he said... I'm not a monster. I'm just ahead of the curve. It's like he he knows it. He knows he's the bad guy. He's fully aware of just how evil, how insane he is. But he just doesn't care. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, he's he's crazy. He, he he has no moral moral standing. He just doesn't care about any morals. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a hard that's a hard villain to fight because you know some villains have a some sense of a code or some sense of 
uh, a reasonable motivation. But like the Joker, it's just he doesn't have any of that. Mm-hmm. And so it's, he's a harder villain to fight. Mm-hmm. He's an agent of chaos. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And and with all that's done, like Heath Ledger, aside from delivering an amazing performance and one hell of a villain, he rightfully deserved his Oscar posthumously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I feel like if they hadn't given it to him, there would have been like a boycott. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Like he they had to have given it to him. And it's, it sucks that he's no longer with us, but yeah. I'm glad that they honored him, though. He, he deserved to be honored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for now, enough talk about the Joker. He, this is a Batman episode. Let's not steal his thunder. But, like, also, let's give credit where credit is due as well. But aside from the Joker, the other villain, like Aaron Eckhart as Two-Face, not only was he really a step up from Tommy Lee Jones's portrayal, yeah. but this Two-Face really is, a, he's a tragic villain, basically. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he is. Um, and he's, uh, he represents, like, um, how idealism can just fall, like, and it's part of what the Joker was saying, like, and that's why the Joker targeted him because he wanted to prove that um, someone as good as the district attorney, like Harvey Dent, could fall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, yeah, it's um, it's a tragedy. It's almost like a tragedy. Definitely. Yeah. Exactly. Seems like a good man falling like that. Mm-hmm. Like, like, that's right. Yeah, like. In a way, I feel like this is tells the Dark Knight tells a more biblical tale, like basically how Batman is the whole force of good, the Joker is basically like the force of evil, almost like a devil, and how he corrupts everyone he comes across. And Harvey is more like you know the a fallen hero, a, a fallen angel, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a great like it's almost like a mythological story. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you have these characters, these larger than life characters. You have these great conflicts, and then um, but sometimes it ends in tragedy. You know, one guy, one guy, either a person dies or they they turn to uh, they turn to the dark side or whatnot. And um, as it's interesting that Harvey Dent mentioned that he said like. They referenced Julius Caesar, how he was a great hero, and then he became he became a great mm-hmm. And then like, then Harvey was like, well, either you die a hero or you live long enough. You live long enough to see yourself become a villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great line too from mm-hmm. the movie. Good foreshadowing too. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, I love like this film is really unique. It's it may be it's a, it may be a superhero film, but it. Act, it doesn't go play by the rules of a superhero film. It's its own thing. It's not really a superhero film. It's more like a dark crime thriller, a neo noir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's why uh, no one pulled a laugh from the Michael Mann's film Heat. Yeah. The robbery fight. Yeah, in terms of the, um, you know, having a drama set against the backdrop of a great city, of a big inner city. But um, uh, but yeah, it's um, no one is able to do that. He's able to, because he's still following the conventions of a superhero film, but he's able to put his own spin on it. Exactly, you know? agree. And 
kind of go against the conventions a little bit. That's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, so that's pretty cool. Like, yeah. Like the Dark Knight is really one of, if not the best superhero of all time. It came out in 2008 and 12 years later, almost nothing has been able to top the Dark Knight. Like, do not get me wrong. We've had plenty of great superhero films in the last few years. Black Panther, yeah. Logan, Endgame, Guardians of the Galaxy, even Joker. But none could hold a candle to the Dark Knight. It's a film that it still it gets better every time you rewatch it. It's, and it still holds relevance even today. It's yeah, groundbreaking. Mm -hmm. I can't find, like I said, I think I said in the earlier episode, I can't find any flaw in this movie. Like, I just, mm -hmm. like, I try to find flaws in it. It's like the plot is good, the structure is good, the themes, the characterizations. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything was just on point. Like, exactly. It, it's <laughs> and, just incredible. And even the, the ending everything. of the movie is great, too. Like, mm -hmm. wow. The what? The, the ending of the, the movie is a really good ending. Yeah, like you didn't expect that type of ending. Like it's mm -hmm. it's it's unexpected, but you can also see it. It's also like a cliffhanger too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it makes you want to come back and see how they resolve it, which is brilliant. It's just a brilliant choice. It is, yeah, and and yeah, like. It re and like you said, it's really un a unique spin too, because in most superhero films back in the day, you were usually black and white. We knew who was yeah. the good guy, who was the bad guy, and in all the endings, the bad guy lost while the hero saves the day. But here, it's more of a a bittersweet ending. The Joker yeah. lost, but at the cost, Batman lost his, you know, his good image with Gotham really shows that for every victory there's always a cost yeah um, no one does that well like no one he puts that he puts that um theme of the noble lie where like you look at some of his films like people people want to be told a lie because they can't face the truth I mean you can look at Dunkirk and how the soldier accidentally killed the, the boy but one of the the I think Mr. Dawson's son was like, oh, he's fine. He didn't tell him the truth mm -hmm. of what happened. Yeah. Good no, no, one, no one likes to play with that a lot. And it made sense in The Dark Knight, like, in terms of if you're trying to, you know, challenge the legend of Batman and, and him as a symbol, you know, for he had to make a sacrifice. He had to sacrifice his symbol in order for Gotham to still have hope. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah that's a great... um. Wow, it's a great, powerful story choice. That's right. And those those last few lines, every time I hear them, they just send chills down my spine. Like, he's a silent guardian, a watchful protector, a dark knight. Just, oh yeah, God. Yeah, and it like, explains why it's called, the movie's called Dark Knight, which is cool. Just great way to yeah. end it. Just This film is just... I guess it's perfect. And it, and the thing is also, it's a long movie. It's two hours and 36 minutes to be precise. And every single second of this film is just memorable. There's always an, a memorable, quotable scene next every time. Like this. Yeah, like the, yeah, like the story, you can tell, like there are story beats. Like if you follow it, of course, there's, there are certain points where the plot needs to progress, but it never feels like, is dragging like every scene every scene in that film has a purpose mm, it does this yeah, that's just really good filmmaking mm. 
And I love films like that. Yes. I think that's why it's a masterpiece or why it's going to stand the test of time because it doesn't waste the audience's time. Like, every okay. single watch is there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yes, this truly was... It's not the superhero film we needed, but the one we deserved. <laughs> no, no. I'm gonna. This is the. This is gonna be the hardest question I asked yet on this episode. But what is your favorite scene in The Dark Knight? On to you, John. Oh man, yeah. Like as as we all like agree, like it's ten out of ten, like superhero masterpiece, but. I, I really do love the um the scene where um Joker um invades the party and he gives mm-hmm. that speech about the scars. It's just a really like terrifying scene. I, I remember um I think it was like Michael Caine said something like he was actually like genuinely like terrified mm-hmm, that's right, yeah. during that scene because like he like did a really good like job portraying the Joker. But yeah, I gotta say definitely that, that scene at the party when Joker invades and like Yeah. Oh yeah, it's memorable. Oh. Yeah. And moving on to you, Emmanuel. Yeah. Wow. Wow, John. That's the same scene. That's my favorite. That's yeah. And the Nolan episode earlier, last year, I think I referenced that scene. And yeah, it has to be that scene because I like how I like the exchange between Joker and Batman. How I mean, Joker said to Rachel, "Oh yeah, fighting," and I like that. And then Batman says, you're gonna love me then. And then he hits him. And then um, Batman says, when Joker has her by the window, he says, let her go. And then Joker says, very poor choice of words. <laughs> and he yeah. <laughs> It's a great scene. Yes. My, my favorite scene, which to me really was the heart and center of the film would be the interrogation scene where Batman oh, questions man. Joker. Like, it really highlights the, the the contrast, the whole relationship between these two characters. Like, how the Joker won't kill Batman because he completes him. That sums up the relationship as a whole. Like, in a way, I think that even though they're arch enemies, the Joker... To, to, to him, Batman is like his best friend. Like someone that gives him yeah. a purpose, basically. And then... Yeah, I, like, I have to agree. Um, he, they even reference that. He says that, like, when Batman captures him, he says, like, um, I won't kill you because... No, he said, you won't kill me out of some misplaced sense of self-righteousness. Now I won't kill you because you're too much fun. Mm-hmm. So I think we're destined to do this forever. And they have been since 1989. Yep. Yes. And it really, sh- it really shows good way of showing the Batman's vulnerability in this scene because whenever Batman's around, he is usually the one in charge. He's always in control of the situation. But now here, the Joker has played him. He's pushed Batman past his rage breaking point like here Batman now it might have worked before but now this time he no longer has the upper hand on the Joker yeah this is a great scene when especially in like in the, in the aftermath of interrogation when um, Joker reveals that Rachel is, is captured as well and then Batman just loses it like because <laughs> you know it's In secret, you know, he's bat he's Bruce and he loves Rachel. So you can see the rage and like and how he's he's losing control. 
and Joker used that to his advantage. That's right. You know, he, he even punches him, but then Joker's like, there's nothing you can threaten me with. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. No, right. So amazing. Like, and one, one, I promise, one last bit about the Joker. Like, back, yeah. back in the aftermath of the interrogation scene, Joker said, in their last moments, people show you who they really are. And then fast forward a bit more, and then the climax, when the Joker is about to fall to his death, what does he do? He laughs hysterically. He he finds the thought of his own death hilarious. That, wow, just what a freaking amazing villain. Yeah. Well, it just proves that he's from the Dark Knight Dawn, it's time to crash this plane with no survivors. The Dark Knight Rises. God, this... Wow. This was really not just a great movie on its own, but to me it was a great way to conclude Christopher Nolan's trilogy. Your thoughts? Yes. Oh, um, yeah, it was... Um, it was just... Tom Hardy has even said, like, you watch all three films, it forms like a circle, you know, it, it ties everything together. And um, yeah, it, it really it really goes back to Batman Begins and, and kind of almost re-examines it because it's like, because it, it, it involves League of Shadows again. Mm-hmm. So with the character of Bane, you're, you're re-examining the relationship between Batman and Raza Ghul and, and you're looking at how far the story has come and how it's almost like an inevitability to it like Bane had to be the villain in, in the third one mm-hmm. think about it that's right yeah mm-hmm. like and yeah it's a great thematic uh, choice that's right yeah well, let's talk about more about Tom Hardy as Bane like his his villain Bane is such a complex villain like like it re- he really people thought that no one could overshadow Heath Ledger as Joker but Tom Hardy's Bane really is on the same level as Joker like they really and I love how they made him more you know realistic like more yeah. in this world in the comics Bane had this you know luchador mask and had used this experimental drug called like Venom which is like steroids I love how they removed those aspects of him for this film it made him more all the more terrifying because of it mm-hmm. and just a great like he had a, uh, Bane's like voice in that movie was just like really great too like I thought that was a really good choice, but I'm not sure what effects they used on the voice, but just the, hello, Gotham City, is just, like, very, like, perfect. Yeah, like, when Tom Hardy was, when Tom Hardy was researching the character and trying to play a role, he really looked at, he really highlighted, like, Bane's intellect, and, like, like, Bane in the comics, he's a very intellectual, very intelligent guy. Mm-hmm. And so, he, uh, Tom Hardy based the voice off of that, and then also like Bartley Gorman, the boxer, I think. The oh, boxer. 
Okay. And, um, you know, kind of like this booming voice, this mm-hmm. boisterous voice. So, and if you look at a comic, like, Bane can be boisterous too. So, um, so yeah, it, it was a great um, portrayal of character. It was, yes, it was. Like, and to follow up with the themes, like, if Batman Begins was all about fear, The Dark Knight was about anarchy, then The Dark Knight Rises is about pain. Like, here, Bruce is at his lowest point in this film. After having his legend, his symbol destroyed, now he's basically physically vulnerable after having his spine broken. And it's really his whole arc trying to get back up on his feet. It really was so hard to watch. Really echoes back to Alfred's line of how we pick ourselves up when we fall. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's um the film that really test test puts Batman to the test, both okay. physically and mentally. Because um, it's like I love how each film ups the stakes, and you needed a character, you needed Bane to really be a physical match, but also an intellectual match too. Was and it ups the stakes because like he hasn't been Batman for so long, so <laughs> so yeah. It's, it's just a really good um, conflict. Was yeah, and like Bane, he, he Tom Hardy's Bane, anyways. He really reminds me of all like those old history revolutionaries with how to. T- he wants to topple off the government, basically. He wants to give freedom to the people by creating disorder. Like he. Like he is the bad guy, that's for sure. But at the same time, he does have a point, also. Yeah, like he—he's a mouthpiece for—he he continues Ra's Ghoul's ideology, like, but he's a more extreme version of it. And so, his strategy was, you know, I guess if you want to contrast it with Ra's Ghoul, Ra's Ghoul is trying to use fear, but. Bane is trying to use class division and like and like envy among people different classes and so he's trying to pit rich and the poor against each other and if you think about it that's kind of what a revolutionary person a bad revolutionary person would do like if they're trying to destroy a city they would pit the rich against the poor I think a lot of if I'm if I'm, if I'm correct a lot of um like Marxist Whenever, you know, the government tries to take over a country or whatnot, in terms of Marxism, they always blame, like, the the people on top, the rich people and things like that. So it's part of the strategy to, you know, destroy the relationship between the populace and the people that are in power so they can can be in power. And so it kind of makes sense that Bing was following that same revolutionary um, tactic. But he's doing it for his own purposes, which is, you know, to destroy Gotham. Because he believes Gotham is like this den of sin, of corruption. That's right, yeah. And they're trying to fulfill Ra's Ghoul's destiny. Exactly, yeah. Really, they really also great parallels to, to the French Revolution, basically, with the storming of the Bastille and the destruction of Gotham, which is destroying symbols of a corrupt, decadent society. Exactly. And... I know some people tend to give a bit of, you know, flack to The Dark Knight Rises for its, mm-hmm. like, 
it, it's no way better than The Dark Knight, but it's still a great film on its own right. Yeah. Some would be, I guess, the uh, <laughs> plot holes. Like, how did Batman get all the way from, from a prison in Africa back to Gotham with no passport, wealth, or resources? <laughs> Answer, easy. He's Batman. Yeah. He's bad. But yeah, there's that, and then also, like, um, well, yeah, that was the main plot hole, but then there's, there were other, I guess the criticism was the too many characters and things like that, mm-hmm. and you, it did feel, the film did feel a little overstuffed, like, because they had to introduce, like, um, they had to introduce the Catwoman, but they had, they did in a way where, like, they had to introduce the mayor, because the mayor gets kidnapped, and mm-hmm. Catwoman has her own motivation for kidnapping mm-hmm. the mayor, and and like it can get very convoluted but um but yeah it, but it had to you know deal with a lot because it, it is the conclusion mm-hmm. and normally in these type of movies whenever they do a sequel they always increase the n- amount of characters for some reason yeah right yeah so, it's like a comedy movie mm-hmm. yeah and it, so for better or for worse you know that's what they did and some people tend to give it a bit of flack for its lack of Batman. At first, I, I didn't actually mind it because, again, the trilogy, it's not about Batman. It's about Bruce Wayne. It's about the character, the, the humanity in him. It was all about, like, Batman had to die in order for Bruce Wayne to rise. That's what mm-hmm. The Dark Knight Rises means, in my opinion. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. Like... It's a story about, it's a story about like, and Alfred kind of mentioned it when he said like, why do we fall so we can learn to pick ourselves up? And so, and so after the image, if you're following the story of the three films, after the legend of Batman has been basically tattered, you know, Batman or Bruce Wayne has to rise up from the ashes and be reborn in a sense. And um, so yeah, it's a film that tackles that, and I think it did a good job of it. Did, yeah. One final note before we move on to our favorite scenes. Like, what did you guys think of the twist? You know, that Ta- it was Talia. Talia was the one pulling the strings behind Bane. I actually got spoiled. Like, I, oh, I, read, I was on Reddit or some fan site, and they, they, leaked, they leaked images of, like, Marion Coltier as Talia, and she was beating like Bane's troops. So I kind of knew that she was gonna be Talia, or something was gonna happen. Oh um, no! Yeah, I shouldn't have done that. I spoiled myself. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, but it made sense because if you're trying to connect back to Batman Begins with Ra's al Ghul, you want to. It has. If you want to continue that theme of. Like, did Batman do enough to save Gotham, or you know, what has he learned since being in the League of Shadows? And it's kind of like Bane represents that reckoning. He, he says it himself, "I'm Gotham's reckoning." Mm-hmm. So he represents that reckoning almost to Bruce Wayne too, of like that legacy or that involved past involvement he has with the League of Shadows and the effects of what he did. So, and you know, by him by him not saving Rather Ghoul that's what gave Talia the motivation to, to continue what she, her father did. And um, it, it's what led to them confrontation in the end. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then it all comes like full circle. Yes. Yeah. Really shows also, I actually, 
liked it. I, I welcome the twist of Talia being the true villain because it really shows that Batman has to, you know, confront the past. Like, he must deal with the enemies of the past in order to ensure a better future for himself. Definitely, yeah. And yeah. on a final note, well, per personally, yeah, to your point, I agree. Like, The Dark Knight Rises did deliver a a great conclusion to Nolan's trilogy and also it did something no other Batman movie or franchise did up to date which is it gave Batman a really good ending to his career unlike the other films which basically got rebooted mm -hmm. or rehashed yeah. Yeah. Really well they never really closed out their storylines before mm -hmm. and just sort of remake remake exactly yeah, no. yeah in terms of like the Batman films they they did two films and then like they changed actors so you never really had this consistency the only consistency was um michael goss who played alfred and then um oh yeah that's true and then uh the commissioner the guy that played the commissioner right oh okay yeah but other than that he, he had no consistency in the storyline yeah. where, mm -hmm. where in nolan's films we have these three films self-contained story they all they all move off from each other inform each other so yeah it just makes it's a cohesive story it is definitely yeah. great and now favorite scenes what is your favorite scene from the dark knight rises emmanuel oh man um at first i was gonna say um uh, the fight scene between the first fight scene between batman and um bane mm -hmm. and i, I want to say um yeah, it has to be when Bane is giving his speech at Blackgate Prison, mm -hmm. and he's basically, you know, he's using his uh, his voice to rouse the people, and he's like, and he and he reveals that Harvey Dent was Two Face, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the false idol, <laughs> yeah. and then he says Jim Gordon's resignation, and then he said, "Do you accept his resignation?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Such a motivational speaker, indeed. <laughs> and two things about that speech, like, for one, it really, in a way, when Bane revealed uh, that Harvey was the true villain, in a way, the Joker won, because by revealing Harvey was behind all that death and destruction, that the Joker basically fulfilled his plan in corrupting Harvey and bringing Gotham into chaos through someone else. Yeah. Yeah, and like um, from the beginning, when uh, I think when Jonathan Nolan or David Boy were working on the story, they knew that you know the truth had to come out. And so, what character can represent that truth coming out, or Batman's legend being threatened again, or, or that hope being threatened again? And it made sense to do it with Bane because she's when you first meet Bane or when he first arrives in Gotham he's, he's in the sewers mm. and so he represents like truth truth will out exactly you know yeah. the reckoning will come that type of thing and come it did yeah and one final note before we went to John um, though I love how I really appreciate how even though The Dark Knight Rises is a sequel to The Dark Knight they they really did a good choice to you know not mention or refer to the Joker in the film as respect for Heath Ledger mm-hmm 
really. I think there were ideas of, of maybe referencing the Joker, but they never did it. Um, which makes sense. I mean, you don't want to. After Heath Ledger died, and he did such a great job, you didn't want to want to. You don't want to beat a dead horse, you know. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> great. Um, yes. So they kind of just let it let it, let it lie, let it there. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, on to you, Mr. Swan. So, yeah, there are a lot of good scenes in this movie, too, but I feel like a scene that I actually really liked from um, The Dark Knight Rises was the uh, the ending scene, like the passing of the torch to um, Robin, which I thought was really cool. Because when I, I remember reading, like, uh, before the movie came out, I think like people are saying like, oh yeah, Robin won't be in it and stuff. And like, okay, that's all right. But like, it was kind of like a cool like surprise thing. Like he's like, oh yeah, my actual name is like Robin. And it's like, oh, I just thought that was like a cool like passing of the torch, but also like, um, well, still it, it still it still acts as like a good like conclusion to the series. So like, you can kind of imagine now like Robin would be like basically like the new Batman and. Um, basically like Bruce is retired so I thought that was a really cool scene was yeah and really the ending of Dark Knight Rises 2 really sends a very powerful and optimistic message of Mm -hmm. how your happy ending how you earn your happy ending like Bruce has been through hell and back but after all that the fight the fighting is done and now he can finally have the peace that he could never had before it's really Mm -hmm. inspiring yeah, yeah it's, it's a great conclusion. Like it, it closes out his story, but it leaves it leaves it room for for another successor, and and it proves that the Batman is is um is more than just one person. The Batman mm-hmm. is a legend. It can mm-hmm. impact other people. Exactly. And it's a great yeah. It's a great message. It's a great symbol. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah it, it's kind of like the story will go on in that sense. Very mm-hmm. true. Maybe not to sound like too meta, but like, as you're saying, Emmanuel, like, Batman is a legend, so like, even like the upcoming people that will play Batman in the future, it's like, it just gives people like more motivation to like create new Batman stories and stuff. Exactly. So it can kind of be like, can kind of be seen like that too. For sure. Yeah. And uh, for me, a. My favorite scene from The Dark Knight Rises would have to be the entire fight between Batman and Bane. Like, that one is really... We can really see how Batman is suffering. Like, all of his enemies have been mental, have been mentally... Like, if Ra's al Ghul was physically superior to him, the Joker was mentally superior to him, what if we have a villain who is both of those? One who is mentally and physically superior to him. And it shows, like, it's really, it's really, you know, nightmare fuel and heartbreaking to see just Batman, this unstoppable force, really fall. And it really shows that for all of Batman's strengths, he may be a skilled detective and martial artist, but deep down, he's just a man, just a human being like all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, yeah it's, it's a film. It's a film series that humanizes the main hero, and you know, and that's what helps the audience. And that's why Nolan is such a great filmmaker because he knows how to get the audience involved in the story, and it makes sense. What 
like once you look at all the story choices, you understand like, oh, like this is how you make the audience invested because of what he did. Because like the the final film had to be this huge, almost it's almost like a disaster film, but it had to up the stakes and like you know like how is Batman gonna get out of this? He's facing a villain that's just as smart, if not smarter than he is, and and it's just a physical match, and he loses. Like the first time they fight, he loses. So it's like, mm. oh my goodness, how are we going to get out of this? Exactly. Yeah, that's a great storytelling. Um, eventually he does, you know, he does um, defeat things, but it's all about the struggle. It's all about the audience going on that journey with the character exactly. as they go through challenges. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, final note also, that, that shot of Bane breaking Batman's back, really great oh. nod to the comics from the Batman yeah. Nightfall story. Yeah, from, from Nightfall in the 90s. Yeah. Mm. Really? Yeah. It's, I still need to read Nightfall, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a story that really, it was, it's very much of, of its own time, but it's, um, yeah, it's a great story because it challenged because Batman is always seen as this you know very effective very competent guy but then like he meets this one guy that just number one he, he realizes who he is he tracks him down to his, his mansion and then he breaks his back <laughs> so it's like right, oh my yeah. goodness so yeah it's just great that Nolan went in that direction That's right. to finish off the trilogy Right, mm-hmm. very well done. And sorry, I, as much as I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I feel like nothing, no superhero franchise will ever top the epicness of this, the Dark Knight trilogy. So bravo, Nolan, yeah, bravo. Yeah, it's, it's one of the best, I think it's regarded as one of the best trilogies ever. Mm-hmm. I think I wrote, I wrote like a freaking, I have a profile on Quora and I wrote an article on it, like out of, the, um, I wrote like a blog post or something about how how well the trilogy fits together and yes, yeah. yeah it's just yeah it's gonna be well regarded in future years it is yeah definitely great and and they're not just great as superhero films but just films movies they appeal to everyone superhero and non superhero fans definitely yeah yeah that's that's amazing yes. um, yeah, Nolan, Nolan's a gifted filmmaker. Oh, yes. He's able to do that. Yes, yeah. But I think that was his plan from the beginning, to make a film that, to make these superhero films appeal to everybody. And mm-hmm. he's just proud of that. Right, yeah, and also give credit where credit is due, too, because we've had, like, all the superhero films we've got today, none of them would be possible if it wasn't for the influence of The Dark Knight. Like, The Dark Knight helped give rise, birth to the modern superhero genre that we all can't go to the theaters every year to come and see. Definitely. It's amazing. Yeah, you can definitely see its influence on, like, this is my interpretation, but you can see its influence on, like, Logan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fox, exactly. Fox X Men film. Great movie. Logan. Yeah, because Logan was very dark. But mm-hmm. Oh yeah. The Dark but, Knight. Like, it, was, it it talked about the genre itself, and so, it, and I think Dark Knight was was kind of doing the same thing and how it was commenting on the genre mm-hmm. in terms in terms of no, it did that in terms of changing the genre. I'm, I'm yeah, like 
by making it a, a crime thriller drama. Whereas Logan just took that a step further and used that as a template for being a Western, but also, you know, commenting on the genre. Mm, like mm. deconstructing is what you'd say, right? Yeah, basically. They both have a deconstructionist quality. Amazing, really. And for four years, Batman would eventually be missing from the public eye until 2016 when Ben Affleck uh -huh. donned the cape and cowl in Batman v Superman from your favorite movie franchise, Emmanuel, the DC Extended oh, Universe. Oh, no. You had like. <laughs> we, we had a discussion. Like, oh, man. Like, it's, not my, it's not my favorite. Like, it's, but. Yeah. Um, but I enjoyed Affleck in the role. But yeah, I told you that yes. in our DC episode that yes. I enjoyed him in, in the role. Oh yeah, like exactly. Like Batman v Superman, for all its flaws, I feel Ben Affleck really delivered as the Batman. Like if Michael Keaton delivered a great Batman, Christian Bale delivered a great Bruce Wayne, I feel Ben Affleck balanced both sides of the character, Batman and Bruce Wayne really he really looked like the comic book bruce wayne i knew and grew up with you know like this this big tall muscular and rich billionaire playboy yeah he looks like like i said in our dc episode he looks like batman from the animated show the, the chiseled jaw and like yeah and the the way he smirks too the way he smirks sometimes that's right yeah. <laughs> like that's exactly how Bruce Wayne smirks in the animated show that's Even right very, like, that comic that's yeah. right yeah that's <laughs> I'm um, just gonna say yeah, that's right, John. Like Bat, out of all the Batman suit sweeps seen in film, I feel Ben Affleck's is the most comic book accurate. In fact, to your point, John, as you were showing, Ben Affleck's yeah, suit, the like, yeah. like Dark Knight, yeah, like the Batfleck suit was inspired by Frank Miller's Batman: The Dark Knight Returns. Mm -hmm. The whole, the Good great comic, cloth. Though, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, that's a great comic book. Um, yeah, because Snyder, Snyder's a, Zack Snyder's a fan of the comic book, so he really wanted to do his, his, his own Frank Miller homage, I guess. And he succeeded. And, but yeah, but I guess it made sense because they were going for older Batman, so mm -hmm. they, they wanted to have this experienced Batman to have his bat suit almost. You can tell it's been through some rough years and exactly I love yeah. that change the, the departure they went from the previous films like making an older Batman like this Batman is more already a veteran a shell-shocked veteran who's already seen the ha who's already been through hell is more experienced as a crime fighter definitely yeah that's that's what they're going for and yeah and the Batsuit is like this it's amazing how Frank Miller created it. It's like this very, like almost elemental force. It's just it's something that because Bruce Wayne is such a big guy, it makes sense that you have the suit that matches his his, his presence. Almost. Mm, yes, mm -hmm. and this Batman really, aside from costume aside, he really fits the character from Frank Miller's comic. Like this Batman is far more brutal like he's not, he's willing to use lethal methods to dispatch criminals it really shows that this is a batman that you do not want yeah 
that's like one yeah. thing I do appreciate about like I'm not like a huge fan of like Ben Affleck's like portrayal of Batman, but I I do appreciate how it is comic book um accurate, especially with like the suits and stuff. Mm-hmm. And just how how his build looks too. Oh yeah, and they really nailed the voice too. I love how they made his voice more robotic with a voice synthesizer. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, like that was a cool. That was a cool. I mean, and Kevin Smith, who's a friend of Affleck, kind of mm-hmm. revealed that they were going to do that. I think in one interview, like years a year or two before the film came out, and it made sense. Like Batman would have the technology to disguise his voice, mm-hmm. a voice modulator. Oh, yeah. So that made more sense instead of. You know, dropping your voice down to deep voice, sounding like That's right. sounding like you have That's right. a disease or something. So, right. <laughs> tell me. That makes sense too. Like Bruce Wayne has like the uh, he's got he's a billionaire, so he's got the money for like technology like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Tell me, do you bleed? You will. <laughs> right. And also, um, I love like. Actually, now that we're at it, let's talk about your favorite Batflix scene. Let's start with you, John. To be honest, um, I've only really seen Batman versus Superman like once in the theaters, and um, I don't know. Like honestly, it wasn't like my favorite portrayal, and I don't remember like too too much from it. But I I think um, from those movies, I got to say like the the battle scenes are pretty cool. So probably mm. like. Um, Probably one of the, the battle scenes between Superman and like Batman. Those are pretty cool, I'd say. And just like the suit, like the really like heavy like armor and stuff. It's like very comic book accurate. So. Oh yeah, that's right. From the scene in the fi- the final fight scene in Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, really love how they nailed that. Mm-hmm. On to you, Emmanuel. Yeah, I don't I don't like Bambi Superman that much, but um, <laughs> but because uh, I saw it in the theater and I paid twenty dollars to see it, and I'm like, man, oh, I saw it in IMAX, man, <laughs> and I'm like, I want my twenty dollars back. But <laughs> but um, but in all seriousness, um, I guess one scene I like uh is when um, dang, uh, I'd have to say yeah. I think the scene when um, I, I, w- I would say the, the fight scene when Batman is fighting the criminals and he's trying to rescue Martha. Mm, yes. I'm gonna, I'm yes. Gonna, mm. I don't know. I feel like that's that's too on the nose. I feel like a great scene was when um, it, it, Bruce and Clark are first first talking to each other. Oh. And they're, oh, and they're having this. You get the subtext is so it's a lot there because like these two guys that are hiding their identities but they can't reveal it to each other but they, one is pro Superman and the one is against Superman and it's like you already yeah. have that ideological battle exactly mm-hmm. yeah. so I'd have to say that scene that's probably like the best scene in the movie I I, I say right. <laughs> yeah, I definitely got to rewatch uh, I kind of like forgot a lot from Batman v Superman but. Yeah, I do appreciate like the um, the comic book accuracy. Plus, like really like hardcore like comic book fans too. Really, just like Ben Affleck's portrayal, just because he just looks very similar to the comic book. So, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I I 
I will say this, I appreciate BVS for, you know, how before trying something unique, because Batman in the films is mostly known for his solo adventures. But this is the first time live action wise we've seen Batman interact with other DC superheroes as well. It's really mm-hmm. unique. Yeah, so. that's what that's what I was excited about. And it's like, yeah, I was disappointed. But at the same time, it's, it's nice to see an expansion of the DC universe. And because, um, mm-hmm. you know, I was so used to watching the cartoons and reading the comics. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, oh, it'd be awesome to see this live action. And yeah. Then when you actually do it, it's not really good. But <laughs> Plus, the movie was like in development hell since like the mm-hmm. 90s, I think. That's like, right. they've tried so many times to do. Batman versus Superman. Superman. Yeah. I think they were like they're supposed to do like Brandon Routh as like mm-hmm. from Superman Returns and stuff, but a lot of like conflicts and stuff. So it's kind of cool how they finally made it, but yeah. Yeah. They even used an idea from uh, Andrew Kevin Walker, the writer. He wrote a draft of of Batman versus Superman, and there's a scene where you know Batman fought, fought Superman and the Kryptonite battles something like that so they kind of kept that idea in the finished film and warner brothers they always man they wanted to kill, they wanted to kill superman so bad and they finally did it yeah, I know. <laughs> they've been trying to do that ever since Ken, ever since death of Bat, death of superman in the, in the 90s they were yeah, like yeah, yeah we gotta do that <laughs> yeah they just wanted it so bad they're like yeah and they finally did it and it sucked <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're honest, Emmanuel. I'll give you that. Yeah. yeah. And for me, my, the standout scene from BVS has got to be that whole warehouse scene. That is probably the best Batman action scene I've ever seen. Like, it's... Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. It's very... The cameras are, is focused. You can feel the impact of every punch Batman takes. The choreography is spectacular as well. And in fact, mm-hmm. it drew comparisons to the combat system from the Arkham video games. Right, yeah. Big, big games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it was very... straight ripped out of the games. Like right. I said, the DCS. Yeah, you, you, but yeah, I could tell, like, even before it came out, and I've said this before, is that I knew Snyder was going to do a good job with the fight scene. But Snyder, he's good with action. He's good with mm-hmm. action. Mm-hmm. And he got, like, really cool choreographers, I mean, um, fight choreographers and stunt coordinators to help out. And yeah, man, it's, it was really well done. was, yeah. And so, looks like we've made it all the way from Tim Burton's Batman to Batman v Superman. However, recent events must be taken into account. And I'd like to talk now about the Batman with Robert Pattinson. What are your guys' first thoughts on the Batman? On to you, John. I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm excited too. Like, I'm still bummed that Affleck isn't coming back. But um, but Byron Pat, Robert Pattinson's a great actor, and mm-hmm. I like the direction they're going. They're going in a more um, it's still dark, but it's a more like um, they're really gonna they're gonna make Batman. They're gonna make Bruce Wayne emo. <laughs> <laughs> they are like, yeah, and it kind of it's, I think that that's what you need to do if you want to you have a different take on the character, and it's like. Mm-hmm. 
They're really, and I really like they're going to focus on the detective guy. Yes, guy. that's right. Agreed. Like, oh man, that's like what? Yeah, that's one thing they haven't showed before. That's what I'm really hyped about. That's what I was like hyped about too. Is like the whole detective aspect that it's going to have. Like, it's actually going to show Bruce Wayne's like detective skills, which is really cool because. That was like Batman's original thing too. He's known for being like a detective in the comics. Like exactly. Yeah. In the early sixties stuff. So it's kind of cool how they're taking like they're finally like bringing that to like the the big screen, which is really awesome. That's right. Yeah, I agree. Like the the last few films were more about focus on Batman as the Dark Knight or the Cape Crusader, but not as the world's greatest detective. Like he's a modern day Sherlock Holmes, like a combination of both brains and brawn. In fact, Matthew Reeves said that this film will be more like a a detective noir, and he said it'll draw influences from Alfred Hitchcock as well. Uh, that, man, when he said that, I was excited because, like, Hitchcock yeah. is one of my favorite directors, and definitely yes. Yeah, he, and he said it's gonna be like a a point of view driven story from Batman. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, like, yeah. That that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm just kind of I'm really hyped too how they're gonna show um, the Riddler. For the first time since yes time. You look terrifying. oh yes like, so riddle me this if you are justice please do not lie what is the price for your blind eye mm-hmm. yeah, I know. Like, that was a great actor yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was like, such a great line and the way it was situated in the trailer was like oh my goodness like yeah yeah like He's gonna be a scary Batman movie. Oh yeah, he, like the Riddler. I hear is gonna draw influences from the Zodiac Killer or even John Doe from Seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole the whole film. When I saw the trailer, it had a very Seven vibe. Very it David Fincher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it had a big David Fincher Seven vibe. It's almost right. Zodiac too vibe. Yeah, and Paul Dano, like, I'm really intrigued to see how he will portray the Riddler, because Paul Dano, from what I've seen, is best known for playing really slimy characters, like in There Will Be Blood, for example. Mm-hmm. It's a good yeah. cast, too, and just, like, I didn't even know Colin Farrell, like, I didn't even recognize him as the Penguin. That was some, some really good makeup. Oh, oh wow. yeah. That's... Yeah, he, he actually gained weight. Like, he came mm-hmm. and played the character. And Zoe Kravitz, like, and um, uh, who's playing Falcone again? I think uh, John, uh, John, John Yeah. Oh wow! All right. Really yeah. good cast. So, yes. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon too. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And let's talk a bit more about Pattinson. For one, I'm really excited that. This is gonna focus. This is not gonna be an origin story. It will be Batman's second year of crime fighting. I think at this point we already know what Batman's origin story is. Mm, definitely. Yeah, yeah. That's why. That's why I didn't really care for like Batman v Superman's opening scene when you see like the opening, the murder scene of the parent of mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne's parents. It's like we've seen that before. <laughs> but uh. But yeah, a lot of people have seen that before. They, they know about it, and so it 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 really helps the filmmakers too because they don't have to do the legwork of explaining why Batman is this way. They can just dive into the character and dive into the story. That's right. Yeah. Dive right into the action. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Exactly. And props to the bat suit as well. This bat suit is just so badass. It's a combo of Michael Keaton's and Christopher Nolan's bat suit. And it kind of reminds me of the suit in one of my favorite Batman comics, uh, Batman uh, Year One. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. like that's a great comic. Really, well, Frank Miller wrote it too. That's right. Yeah. And I think I think it was I think it's either year one or year two. I heard is going to be a strong influence on the movie as well. So that'd be really oh, wow. interesting to see. Wow, nice. And I've also heard year two will be my story. I've also heard rumors it's going to be based on this other Batman comic, um, the Long Halloween. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's a good one. Like, Batman tracking down a serial killer. Like, it's amazing. And, like, the suit is just, wow, it's really a good balance of comic book accuracy and real life Mm -hmm. applicability. Like, practicality, I'd say. I just like the overall aesthetic, like, this Batman looks to have too because it looks very like comic book-esque but then it also is like kind of like realistic too kind of like combining like what we've seen in the past and like really good combo i think yes yeah yeah i agree really robert pattinson really he can nail this for sure and he even got the voice down when he said i'm vengeance it's just mm-hmm. simple not not too forced not too loud just more like a soft spoken tone like more cold tranquil rage i was like really surprised when i saw the trailer because I, I think we were all expecting him to say bad man but he said i'm vengeance so i was like oh this is gonna be like something new something different mm-hmm, that's right yeah. and i think nolan actually or no not nolan i think um i think christian bale even said to Pattinson, and he's like whatever you do just make the character your own like don't like try to be my character like michael keaton's like be your own batman mm-hmm. so like and it would definitely be awesome. show us definitely shows yeah like robert pattinson he has long left his days with twilight behind look no further than his performances in good time and especially the lighthouse the lighthouse yeah yeah he was great in the lighthouse you can tell he can play a character that's um because with bruce wayne it's all about the duality it's all about the, the disguise of a rich wealthy guy who's hiding anger and hiding dedication to his vigilante crusade escapade and mm-hmm. i think pattinson can play that really well i like that scene when he's at the um when somebody crashes the funeral and mm-hmm. that did that and then like they left a note for bruce wayne and you see his reaction on his face mm-hmm. yeah he was so serious looking and it's like oh yeah. my goodness yeah and even from his face like you can see how he's all like a bit grizzled he looks tired as well it shows how much crime fighting has taken a toll on him mm-hmm. and yeah. as far as like his, it's only his second year too you can tell like he's like really struggling to keep uh, live up to like the Batman name which is cool exactly. and I just really love the scene in the trailer too where for the first time they actually show Batman with the um the eye makeup which I, mm. I think is a very iconic shot i was like wow that's really cool it's right it was even your instagram picture for a time as well it was i just love that scene amazing, so much yeah. and i like how it kind of reminds me of like the movies like the crow and stuff like that like the very goth movies right. yeah until yeah, the bat gonna make a meme man 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love how. I mean, they, they had Nirvana playing in the trailer too. So oh yes, props to that too. Bruce Wayne that listens to like grunge and emo, which is yeah. cool. Matthew Reeves would really knock this out of the park too. Like, not only did he do great with his Planet of the Apes trilogy, but apparently the sources say that he has it's he's very knowledgeable and passionate about mm-hmm. the Batman mythos. Oh yeah, I've been looking. Hey, I look at his Twitter. Like this Twitter, mm-hmm. like around the time when the, they first announced the movie, he was he was he visited like Warner Brothers. Um, he visited like he went to Warner Brothers and he visited like all the different Batmobiles and and things like that. And he and he, if you look, I think someone asked him what is what are your favorite um, Batman stories, and he said like Year One, Long Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Dark Victory too. Oh, I haven't read that one yet. Yeah, I need to read that one too. There's one with Robin, and then the oh, okay. Yeah, I think that's Batman's second or third year, Dark Victory. And then uh, he's he's gonna use Batman Ego too. Batman Ego is mm-hmm. like Batman talks to this unconscious side of his personality, and it mm-hmm. kind of gives you an insight into how he operates. Wow. So. Yeah, I think we'll be seeing that too in the movie, the stuff from the Batman Ego I've heard. What was that? I was just saying from the Batman Ego comic, I heard that's going to be an influence on like the upcoming Batman film. So it will dive into like Bruce Wayne's psychology and stuff like that, which would be really cool to see. And after seeing like his performance in the lighthouse, like, yeah. He'll definitely nail it. Oh, yeah. Like, I... Yeah, I think, I think he will, too. Like, much like you, John, and Emmanuel, I have really high expectations for this film. And until it comes mm-hmm. out, I'm going to collect me a bunch of Batman comics as well. Mm-hmm. And, awesome. I can suggest some for you. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. One it's looks, crazy because... Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, no, 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 you go first. You go first. I was just saying, too, like, it looks like a very intense, like... The way they're making the film, apparently it's, like, very intense, like, on set and stuff, too. Like, even, like, how, like, Pattinson, he, like, caught, like, COVID just from working on the film, apparently, so. Yeah, yeah, the tough one. But even, like, Colin Farrell was saying, like, the film is, like, a really, like, beautiful, dark piece of work, so. Yeah, yeah, we're all in for a treat. Definitely, yeah. I can't wait for that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Looks like that is all the time we have left for today's show. We really covered so much, all the way from mm-hmm. Batman to the Batman, even though it doesn't come out yet. Like, so. I, I noticed how we skipped Batman and Robin. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Justified, yes. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. Yeah, yeah like, 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 it's really been a long much like the journey of Bruce Wayne. It's really my journey into the Batman fandom has been a long journey as well. Like back then, I wasn't a huge fan of comic books or superheroes until 2011 when I, out of boredom, played this, Batman Arkham City. I love the game that I started. I, I got sold into the whole the Batman universe. I started reading some comics, watching the Nolan and the Burton films. And now it's just amazing. Like Batman is personal. I see Batman. Batman is like probably my number one fictional role model because, yes, he he's wearing a costume and all. But at the same time, he is very like he has determination. He's that guy who always will keep standing keeps fighting 
fighting through whatever is thrown at him, no matter how hard, challenging, or difficult it may be. I think during these dark times, it's we all need to be like the Batman. Like, really. Yeah, yeah. he's a great character. I mean, mm -hmm. I remember watching the original cartoons when I was a kid, and that led me into the movies, and then um, I started reading the comic books in, like, mid-2000s. And so, but yeah, um, yeah, the first, one of the first comic books I read was Batman Year One, first graphic novel, Batman Year One. Amazing. And yes. I just loved it. it man, he, somehow, uh, what's his name? Um, D uh, Daniel Neal, one of the Batman writers, he died a few years ago. He oh, said okay. that, yeah, he said that somehow ba Batman attracts really good writers to the stories. Mm -hmm. And I think that he's right, like, the stories in the comic books and the movies too are just really, really great stories. Yeah, definitely, and yes. He is a great role model. Oh yeah, That's for sure. And the fact that like the fact that he has no superpowers like he's just a human being a mortal like us really shows that all the things that we can do the things that we can be yes and with all that's and done thank you so much john and emmanuel for making it today's episode this has been really a huge treat for us this has been sin city live for cmru.ca and to you emmanuel john dane and all of our friends and listeners be vengeance be the knight and be the batman